0: You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara
1: of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your Let's hosts, go. Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you.
0: And Harrison Crow, Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least
2: expect it. From the kickoff to the shoot.
1: Yes, and welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, my friends, my colleague, Cincinnati's most significant attacking signing. It's Harrison Crow. I say hey to everybody, Harrison.
0: I'm going to play uh, wing, I guess, and also be creative and also play defense.
1: Are you going to play attacti- att- attractive attacking soccer through possession?
0: No, absolutely not. It's going to be hoofing the ball forward and then uh, hope hoping that, uh, Fernando Adi can like stave off three, maybe four defenders, uh, while I hustle my ass up field. So,
1: yeah, well, uh, this is true. Um, we, we could have done a segue here if I had planned that better, (laughs) because that's (laughs) what we're going to talk about here in just a second. But first I got to set up the show. I got to like set the scene. Um, last week you heard our Western conference preview. You know, you spoke, you requested it. We listened, we did it this week. Part two, that whole thing, the Eastern conference, Um, you know, I would call it the conference that's more to the right of the map. That's what I'd say. That's Uh, that's an
0: accurate analysis. That's that's why people listen to our show.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to call this the, uh, the, uh, the the three hours earlier conference. That's, that's what I call this conference. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to do that today. It's, it's very exciting. Uh, we have a lot of teams to get through a whole new team to get through. So we're just gonna go ahead and get started on it, and um, I think first up, obviously, are uh, are newcomers to the league, the the newest challengers. So they've stepped into the ring, uh, they've they've paid their expansion fee, they've they've sold their tickets, they've they've uh, got a lion mascot that's. Uh,
0: I don't know about, Not don't like know about Gary. Not the other Lion mascot. It's different than the other
1: Lion mascot, right? Yeah. This one. I, this one's called Gary. I don't know. I, I don't know about Gary. We're going to have to see what Gary brings to the table. Um, but, of course, we're talking about FC Cincinnati. Um, you know, I have to learn how to spell this, like, first try because I, I can't do it. I've shortened it to Cincy so many times just to avoid, like, having to make sure I'm doing this right. Copy and paste, bro. Oh, uh, yeah. Good call. Just, like, I'm just going to have one keyboard <laughs> shortcut for FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, um, you know, obviously, they, uh, brand new team. So there's a lot we, we don't know. We've seen them play a little bit in preseason. Uh, they're managed by Alan uh, Koch or Coach. I, I just realized I've never actually heard anybody say this man's name out loud. Uh, I, I want to go with Alan Koch because that's also his job, so that would be very easy for me. Um, well,
0: I, I did like a, I watched, a, I came to the same conundrum. I tried to watch a YouTube video, and they mm-hmm. didn't say his name once. And that was yeah. really perplexing to me. Like that's I, I'm i famous for mispronouncing people's names on yeah. the show. I've thought, you know, I will step it up again. Uh, apparently not.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're out there, if you're listening, Mr. Alan Coach, and I'm just going to go with Coach for the time being. Call him Alan. Because that's your name. Yeah, I guess we're, we're, we're close enough. Uh, if you're listening, Alan, call and let us know how to pronounce your last name. and we'll, we'll fix it before the end of the show. Um, we can assume that they'll be running a, I guess, three-four-three, but maybe, maybe not. I think that's kind of what they've been going on in uh, preseason. Um, you know, we're going to talk about key additions and exits for uh, each team. Obviously, with Cincinnati, the entire team is an addition, and there, there have been no real exits. Um, I think probably, you know, we could say the most significant signings that they've made, like Kendall Waston uh, from Vancouver, Fernando Adi from Portland. Um, nobody from Seattle, which is surprising. Um, well, it, yeah, they, yeah.
0: they added Alan Cruz, Roland Lema. Uh, you know, yeah, th- yeah. there's a couple of key play- players. They they also added a couple of pieces off the back line. Greg Garza is probably pretty huge. Uh, yeah, Nick Haglund. They spent you know uh, all their TAMS to where they, they, they can't. Spent, they go spent their Wesley money Wesley on Nick <laughs>
1: I love how that headline was phrased today because it made it just seem like did they just spend all their Wesley Snider money on Nick Hagelin and like to lose a draft pick? Like, it's so weird, Cincinnati. Um, yeah, it's been a weird it, 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 off season. Yeah. I think they've they've got about approaching they, they, their approach for signing this roster and building this roster has been. Um, I don't know. It's not. I don't think what anybody would have really expected. It, it's pretty clear that they're going to ease into Major League Soccer. I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, I don't think
0: they they've done necessarily anything bad. Like I yeah, I get no, that people no. have said, "Oh, they they've they've overpaid for a lot of players." And they have. They totally have. But yeah. they overpaid for proven domestics. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, right? Like we we joke about them spending all their Nick, ha- you know, all their uh, Wesley Snyder money on Nick Haglin, which, you know, now that you're you, you kind of find out a little bit about that, you're like, "Wow, um, that would have been kind of huge for this team that's pretty much Honestly, probably a, a Wesley Snyder type player esque um, creative piece away from being, you know, a truly um, maybe a six seed, seven seed type uh, pushing forward into that next tier. I think they're they're going to be a little bit short on attacking power, but I think defensively they look on paper to be pretty promising.
1: They are very strong there. Um, you know, it, it's not the kind of thing where you go, okay, well, like Wesley Snyder makes this team great. I, I think that just kind of from. I where don't want to say at, that they're
0: great, but it looks. Yeah. It, it's competitive, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I, and I mean, like he's older. I mean, he's like thirty-four, but still probably decent for MLS. And, and this is the type of team that, in the past, you know, would have killed to make a Wesley Snider type signing. You know, it's just well, a name uh, uh, well that yeah, have heard. but.
0: He, let's just say you put Snyder on this team and you already have, and let's say you put him on the kind of the, the right-esque wing, you know, they're, they're gonna play basically play with a, fi- with a five back line. So he's really not gonna give you width. He doesn't have to. He's gonna tuck in underneath Adi and he's not gonna have to do a lot of running because you already have guys like Alan Cruz, Eric Alexander, that are gonna tuck in underneath uh, Victor Ioa, who are going to do all that labor intensive grunt work and it's up to him to be able to connect those passes up through the midfield and provide some creativity for Fernando Adi. I think that that could have been kind of a game changer in in uh, in some aspects, but in, in, like you said he's 34. It's not necessarily a sure thing that it's really going to affect their um, their team long term, uh, you know, aside from maybe the first initial season. And who knows how many minutes he even would put in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm not. I'm not exactly. Um, I, when I make jokes about them spending their Nick, their Wesley Schneider money on, on Nick Haglund, it's just because that's a really funny sentence. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's. It's awesome. And not because like I don't. I don't respect you know the craft. Uh, I, I yeah. I, I think this is a team that is very. Um, uh, you know I, I hate it because I, I hate it when this happens in the, the press. But but it, it's hard to like not compare expansion teams to like atlanta and seattle and you know some of these teams that kind of came in right away and just said like we're here to compete um i don't know that that's cincinnati situation here um we've also seen teams kind of like wade out into the the waters a bit like minnesota and and they've said that they're kind of looking at the minnesota model a little bit which is i don't know if that's like just i'm just not sure that that's like a the guy you want to I think it's of in class
0: right i mean that's like kind of copying off ralph wickham in class right to a a certain extent maybe that's a little bit cruel but uh they it it, they didn't come out very strong it's it's fair to say that they they were kind of a laughing stock the first you know month two months and uh, i'm sure fcc uh, FC Cincinnati doesn't want to be at that place. So I. But that being said, I do think you look at teams like Philadelphia and teams like uh, Montreal that have had expansions that haven't necessarily gone the same route as the Atlantas, the Torontos, the Seattles, the LAFCs. You haven't had to necessarily come out gangbusters, but they still came out and they were competitive. Maybe they weren't great, but they were competitive. And Montreal actually has always been pretty consistently um if not good average, right? They they've been competitive. They haven't necessarily I think they maybe have had one really bad year that it just was kinda ugly. But besides that, they've they, they're pretty much in the thick of uh at least a back in playoff spot uh in the Eastern Conference. hmm
1: And I think that has to be sort of where we look at the ceiling for Cincinnati. Um, you know, and like just uh um You know, everything going well, like, just in our wildest dreams here, if we were FC Cincinnati fans. You know, we need to be kind of looking at that last playoff spot. Uh, Yeah, I just don't see, like, their ceiling being high enough. Like, right now, and, again, we don't know, like, a lot yet. They could come out and, like, Mr. Allen Coach could be, like, the best coach in the world, and he could have put together this brilliant team, and he's just been, like, rope-a-doping us all preseason, and he's going to come out and just drop the bomb on us with this amazing team, and Emmanuel Ledesma is going to be incredible at this level. It's possible. Anything's possible. Uh, it, it's an unknown quantity still, but but I think that I see a lot of people that are kind of saying, okay, this is going to be like your bottom of the table. This is your wooden spoon team, and I think they're going to be not that. I think there's going to be somebody worse than them.
0: I'm inclined to agree with you. I I, I absolutely am. I think that's a, that's
1: yeah so uh it's a lot of mystery right now there's not a tell we can say about it because we just don't know um but that's definitely one of the things that we'll be uh keeping our eye on this weekend is uh to see how fc cincinnati uh you know sort of uh how their debut to, to high society goes uh next up uh we're gonna go in order from lowest points to highest points last year uh, in the east so of course next up is orlando city um a fan base with, which is not extremely happy with me at this moment in time in history.
0: I can't imagine why, what yeah. type of rake did you step on that to get that type of punishment?
1: I don't know. Um, so I was rather critical of this team, uh, and we we're doing the season previews for them. And I don't think unfairly because they were terrible
0: on American soccer analysis.com.
1: Yeah. Visit, visit now. Uh, tell your friends, um, not a lot has so okay from a personnel standpoint orlando has just like thrown everybody out like from last year basically the whole team is gone um you know there are a couple people that have kind of hung out chris Mueller, Dom wire um sane uh you know just a couple like depth pieces here and there but mainly like the team was just they're hitting the reset button on the team this year. So they, they've brought in, basically, <clears throat> a whole new kind of side. Uh, they kept the same coach, which is James O'Connor. They're going to be doing this 4-2-3-1. one uh, they got a new designated player, Nani, which is kind of exciting. Uh, they brought in a guy that appears to be, like, a really good center midfielder, uh, Mendez, uh, Sebastian Mendez. But they've also lost their, like, only really good player, who is Yoshi Yotun. Um so, I mean, I think the real question that everybody has is, like, was this enough to make it better than it has been the last few years?
0: On paper, no. I mean, right, like, on paper, you, you look at this and go, so Tesho Akindeli is going to be the guy that scores goals behind Dom Dwyer? Um,
1: no, it's but, Nani. Nani's going to do that.
0: Well, uh, Look, you know what? Nani is is a really interesting player, I think, um, just with how he's transitioned, I always find players that have um, a huge elite skill set, physical skill set, such as speed, and how they transition throughout their career interesting, uh, because they have to have so many different attributes that they start start l- leaning onto. Um, it, you compare it to like a, a a pitcher in baseball that just has like that fastball that's just mm. overwhelming. And they can lean in that fastball every single time, but as they get older and they start hitting their late 20s, early 30s, that velocity leaves them and they have to f- they have to understand and learn uh, pitch progression and they have to start learning and understanding how they set themselves up to be successful. I think much the same way, you see Nani kind of become uh, a little bit or have to adapt his game a little bit. Um, he can't always just beat that outside back down the end line and, and – be able to uh, just serve a ball in he's having to do a little bit more uh in the game and to be perfectly honest <clears throat> i i think his game will adapt to mls and it'll be you know kind of a quasi i don't i don't want to say elite player because i feel like we use a, that word a lot to cover a lot of different players um, i think he'll be a very good player i don't know if he's going to be a top 10 mls player I, th- I don't think that's a crazy take. Um, he's going to be yeah. definitely a difference maker for this Orlando team, and I think that his creativity is going to help inject some, some needed life. But, I mean, you have, you kind of have to wonder how much has he got left in the tank? Is he going to have another 3,000-minute? Is he going to have a 3,000-minute type season? Will he have 2,000 minutes in the tank? And that's where you start saying, okay, at this point, if you can give me you know, a, a true 2,500-minute season – of 10 assists and constantly uh, creating opportunities and, you know, helping uh, a little bit more on defense, which I honestly don't see that happening and that kind of worries me a little bit. Yeah. That yeah. That,
1: that will not be something he's asked to do or that he does. And if yeah. They wanted, so, I mean, if they wanted somebody to do that, they signed absolutely the wrong player. <laughs> so I don't, well, I mean, they, 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 you look at this. Are, yeah. Y-
0: you got question in the middle. questions I mean, no disrespect to him. He probably wants to play defense. He's just not going to be effective at defense. He just doesn't have the legs um, yeah. to, to, to chase down balls. This is going to be a team that's going to um, try to be a high-possession team. That's the only thing I can think of uh, to try to take some of that pressure off that defense because th- they can't counter. They're not going to be able to press. Um this is gonna be a team that's going to have to survive a little bit on the possession and I don't know if they have all the pieces to play a, a possession uh team with some sort of low block. I I, I yeah, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen there with that.
1: Another question with Orlando we have is that you know, they fired Jason Christ last year, they brought in James O'Connor. I don't think James O'Connor was at the top of anybody's short list when we were predicting who would ultimately take that job. I think it's fair to say that his first, you know, season in charge was uh, amongst the worst we've ever seen. Um, There are a lot of doubts about this guy. I, I definitely remember, like, at times thinking that, like, he was just not, like, this was just not his level. Um, last yeah year. i
0: mean he he from all the in, all the talk about him coming to mls i mean he was really well regarded in his time with usl right it's mm-hmm. not as if you you're right he wasn't on the shortlist for orlando jobs but mls in general he was well thought of i mean it was it wasn't outside uh, the realm that he was going to get an mls job and not necessarily at be like down the road like it was it was it, within it, probably a couple years he was going to get an opportunity it did seem like it came a little bit fast. I don't know if he's ready for this. I think it's kind of interesting that he brought in two specific players from uh, Louisville, um, neither of which I feel are substantial in any way. Um, But I think it's more to bring guys in that kind of have his mindset and will help kind of uh, cement his thinking uh, in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And that could be helpful uh, in the short term. Uh, as he tries to kind of transition and get those those reins um it it's been weird it, it really is everything about Orlando City really over the last I was going to say over the last 3 years but really since they came into MLS it's been a little bit um it's just been a little bit odd right
1: yeah and that whole move of like a manager making the jump from a smaller club to a bigger club and then going back to his smaller club to find players, I feel like that narrative is just so fraught. <laughs> like I remember David Moyes doing it with Everton, bringing in polani um, Fulham the guy did it for a while. There's that whole damn United thing. It just always kind of tends to like, oh no. So so when I saw him doing that, like my, my immediate reaction was just like panic, like oh no, are they going to do that? Um, but 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 we'll see, we'll see. I, I don't think that there's a lot of expectations on Orlando's plate this year, other than just being more competent. Um, Yeah. Well, So like, I want to ask you real
0: fast. Um, They brought in, they traded um, El Manure uh, and they got Jao Montinho.
1: Okay. I do like this. I do like this. Yeah.
0: That seemed like Um, that was a pretty good trade off, but then they also added Danilo Costa.
1: I don't know why they did that. I mean, they got rid of all of their fullbacks and all of their depth. So like they needed a couple of each.
0: So maybe um, one guy goes over to the right, one guy goes over to the left. You think? Because they're both uh, left backs.
1: I know, but they're. I mean, you need to have two of them. <laughs> like, what if one gets hurt? Okay, no, like, uh, they, they, that, got of, they got rid sure. of. They got rid of. They got rid of. Elmanir and PC, like they got rid of both theirs. Like they got rid of all their fullbacks, so they needed to get like a whole depth chart worth of fullbacks in, which they did with the Louisville guy in Rouen and Ruan um, and Motinho uh, and. Yeah, Danilo. Uh, I think that. I think that it looks like it's going to be Danilo that's going to maybe have that starting spot uh, at the top of the season. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, but but I wouldn't be surprised to see Monteno I like Montino there. I, I I liked him as a player. I think that he was kind of not at the same where he was compared to where LAFC needed a player to be. We're not matching, but I think this is a good place for him to kind of be to sort of. Um, you know, he obviously had a lot of potential, and was just a very highly guarded guy coming out of college. I think this could be like a little lower pressure, like a little less of being thrown straight into the deep end. Um, it might give him a chance to kind of, uh, you know, you know, just uh, warm his feet up a little bit there. So, so I actually, I actually do like that move. But, but basically, that whole back line has just been completely renovated. So,
0: I kind of wonder if he won't move into the central uh, midfield and be like a, a, a central defensive midfielder.
1: Matinho?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe he was doing that in college. Um, so, yeah, it'd yeah, be maybe. kind of an interesting move uh, to bring in, you know, like we were just talking about not having legs than defensive-minded uh, uh, attackers. Yeah, so it might, might make sense to kind of move uh, some of your defensive uh, successful players a little bit further up the field.
1: Yeah, so as far as, like, projecting uh, Orlando for a place here, it's just so – it's so different. I don't even. I can't. I don't know if I can judge last year. I can just kind of say like how, how well do I think a reboot like this can happen in MLS? And like obviously, it, and with a guy like Nani coming in, I mean you could find like a really great player there. Uh, when I said my preview and it, it, it got a lot of uh, pushback from Orlando fans, but what, what I, I mean it and I still stand by it, is, like not making the playoffs for this team is still unacceptable. <laughs> like there's still too much money. There's too much support. There's too much being put into this uh this franchise to just like constantly be like okay well you know as long as we're not dead last this year like that'll be good enough because it'll be an improvement like they have to kind of figure out ways to win games they have to become a team that is like competent and good or at least like competitive at, at, at even like a bottom playoff level um and i don't know that they're quite there yet uh i think that that is that is their ceiling i think the floor is obviously the floor um but i would expect them to to maybe not be the very worst team in the east this time around. I don't know.
0: Uh, I, I I yeah, i think it's still possible, but we'll see. <laughs>
1: uh speaking of teams doing reboots. Uh Chicago doing a lot of new things this year. Uh sticking with Panovich is the manager. Uh last year uh running a 4-3-1 and a 4-3-3 um Brought in some guys, Marcelo uh, as a defender, uh, Frankowski up in the wing. CJ Sapong, who's a really interesting addition to the to the, the front. Uh, they lost Matt Polster, DeLiu, Brandon Vincent, Christian Dean to retire. Like there's just a, there a a little bit of an exodus in the Chicago Fire. Um, and then today, of all days, we started hearing rumors that they're bringing in a guy like Nicholas Gaetan um, and another center back, uh, Joaquin. Uh, his name' does not his his last name escapes me I don't know why I remember his first name but a, but a foreign center back as well uh so uh this is a team that uh, I think attack wise has always looked pretty good I mean you know they lost David acomp they traded in the Philadelphia they got Alexander katai who I thought was very good last year uh, and Nikolic, we know that he has the ability to score goals score lots of goals um you know kind of a little bit of a down year last year compared to like his golden boot uh the year before. But. And with Guy Tang kind of in that mix now, like, it's just uh Mihailovic. Like there's good, there's talent there. Like there, there's an interesting, there's some interesting ingredients there. We're just not sure like what the dish is going to look like.
0: Yeah. I think everything's going to focus like their, their ceiling and, and floor as we kind of refer to with uh, Orlando is, is really going to be, Uh, dependent upon that back line those backs well even the back six right because uh Dax McCarty is getting up in age um (laughs) uh uh, believe it or not uh Schweinstanger has an expiration date somewhere um (laughs) so um and then you know I I know I, I had some I had some Chicago fans up in my Twitter feed saying that Johan Kaploff was you know an elite center back which I mean, honestly, I, I, I don't see that. I, I, maybe average, maybe slightly above average. Um, but he's never, uh, stood out to me as, as, uh, a defensive difference maker. So, um, th- that's not to like cast aspersions upon, you know, people that think he's good. It's more of, I, I think that there is, uh, some worry that's connected to this back line. David Ousted is going to be the goalkeeper. It looks like, oh, and yeah, yeah. that's not great, right? Like, w- you and I have talked about him. He has not um, moved
1: like three times in the last three years because of how awesome he's been.
0: Right. That, that's, yeah, bottom line takeaway. Or two um,
1: times in the last two years, I guess. Yeah, so three, it's, it's, times.
0: It's, it's just three, te- three teams in two years is what you're trying yeah. to say. But so nonetheless, <laughs> you're right. And <laughs> – this team is worrisome. Like they, they they, have on one side of the coin, they, they got some interesting young players on the other side, it could be disastrous. So it's just about which which side comes up, I think.
1: Yeah, I, we were kind of hard on the franchise a bit um, in our pre-preview show <laughs> where we just kind of talked about things that are going on. Um, it, it does seem like they're trying to like pump some life back in this organization again. Uh, at least for the last couple weeks. And, and that's good. That's good. That That's kind of what needs to happen. And, um, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is, um, another one of those teams that that's ceiling is, is just over that playoff line and floor is the floor. Uh, let's go to another interesting case, Toronto FC so early in the show this year. <laughs> Can you believe it? Uh, manager, Greg Vanny formations last year, three, five, two, four, one, four, one, four, three, three, four, one, two, one, two. Uh, they just did a lot of formations last year. I only wrote down, like, the, the ones they used the, the most, the foremost, but there were, like, nine listed on that thing. Um, they've brought in Terrence Boyd, Lawrence Simon, Nick DeLeon. Uh, now, there's rumors that there's guy uh, going to be a big DP for them, uh, Pozuelo, that I don't know anything about whatsoever, um, so I can't comment on that. But uh, exit-wise is kind of where this gets, like, no more Victor Vasquez, uh, no more Sebastian Javinko, uh, no more Lucas Janssen. I still don't understand why they didn't just buy Lucas Janssen if they were going to just get rid of all these guys. I don't understand that at all, Harrison. It makes me mad every time I think about it.
0: Well, I, so I think part of it is a. I think T. Grace uh, probably didn't want to lose Lucas Jansen. and I think the other side of it also is that they didn't realize that they were going to lose uh, Javinko or Vasquez. I, I think that they're m- uh, maybe it's uh, the fact that. W- Their front office kind of had uh, a slight change, and I think there was maybe a disconnect. And maybe one hand thinking that they were going to do this, another hand thinking we're going to do that. You know, um, I I don't blame them for Lucas Jansen. What I will blame them for is if they can't get this DP deal over the line, that is going to be uh, that's going to be huge for them. We saw it last year with Chicago, where Chicago failed to get their their big, whatever big piece it was that they said that they had lined up, and it never uh, it never materialized. And that team just constantly looked one player down, constantly in quality uh, compared to its opponents, and I think it showed in the end of the standings. I think that Toronto could be facing the same situation. Uh, I think it's easy also to kind of look at Toronto and their CCL situation and just be like, this team is just awful. It's bad. Everything's bad. Everything's on fire. Um, it, It wasn't great.
1: Let, let's it was not bad. let's let's not say it was
0: Well, it was so bad. so yeah. the performances were bad. You're right, absolutely. Yes. Performances were bad, but you can't necessarily say that this is going to continue, right? Um, I think that we all realize that there's some a disconnect between how the players were playing. I think that I trust Greg Vanny enough to to believe that he's going to get everybody on the same page, so long as everybody stays, stays healthy on that back line. I I really do believe that. Um however,
1: yeah, I there's, there's I think definitely... yeah.
0: I think uh, Laurent Simon, it, 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 someone pointed out, I think it was within uh, our Nerd League Slack that Laurent Simon the issues with him aren't that he's slow. It's that his position is bad. Right, and that's more disconcerting. Um I he's lost a step over the last few years. That's not necessarily been a problem. The problem is that if he doesn't have that step to – is when he doesn't have that step to lose, right, Um, he needs to fix his positioning. And I I thought that was very astute, and I think that that's really where they're at, right? And I think that's that's where they can fix things on the coaching level is they can kind of all get together and say – you might think that this player is going to pick this player up or you might think in the attacking uh, transition you're responsible for here, but in reality we need you to be here. I think that that can be fixed over time. And if it doesn't, they're going to find somebody else to, to be in that position.
1: It, yeah. And the, I mean, on the other it, hand, he's 33. <laughs> like the time for coaching this stuff is well since passed. N- uh,
0: oh, oh, okay, but at the same time, if it, it it's not necessarily about the fact that He's coming to a new team, a new team, a third team in less than a year and a half.
1: Again, generally not something that happens when you're awesome.
0: Fair enough, but he was starting for LAFC last year, and he was pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. He was above average.
1: Yeah. Uh, He didn't just. He didn't
0: go from in six months. He didn't go from being above average to being a terrible center back. Right? There are probably some communication issues that, that can be helped out uh, as they play more games. And as that so. backline gets healthier.
1: I would hope so. I, it, it struck me at the time as an odd move. It sounded like something that you do just kind of in theory, like to go, like, oh, would you like Lawrence Simon? Like, well, of course. Lawrence Simon's great. He was like Defender of the Year like three years ago. He was in the Euros with Belgium. And it's just kind of like not looked great so far. So I, it's. Yeah, it can only get better. It can't get much worse than, than it's been, so that that's definitely true. Um, I'm not confident that that guy is going to be a starting center back for Toronto FC in a few months, I guess is what I'd say.
0: I don't think he has to be, though. You have Drew Moore, who's still, mm-hmm. you know, if he can get healthy, him and Chris Mavinka have shown to be very good. And, you know, it's not as if they don't have Eric Savaleta as well, who's shown to be at least an average center back, if not even a little bit better than that at times. And, you know, Justin Morrow is out there on the left wing. He's been very good over his t- tenure in uh, in Toronto. I think that this is a back line that's going to get better. I think it's just going to take, a, a, health and B, time. Um, is this going to be a, like a stalemate of a defense? No. Uh, but hopefully they make that step forward. And I think part of that also has to do with the disconnect in the midfield, right? There's a little bit of some turmoil still happening between uh, Bradley and Delgado and whoever's in that trio, right? Whoever it is, whether that's Osorio, whether, uh, whether that's, uh, I was not going to say Jay Hamilton, but that's, that's Hamilton's the striker. Um, There's the, young Canadian that is mistake, just escaping me, but it, there's still a little bit of turmoil in that midfield. I'm not just trying to excuse this away and be like, oh, they're going to be great still. No, there's they, they definitely have a ceiling, and it's not as high as what it ever been the last three years. But there's potential for them not to be terrible, and people shouldn't be lighting their scarves and jerseys on fire and picketing just yet.
1: Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn some jerseys.
0: Okay. You, I like to do so it. Start I some fire, Um
1: <laughs> Let's move on to uh, another team uh, which has uh, failed to impress lately. Uh, the New England Revolution are, of course, uh, who we are talking about, managed by Brad Friedel, uh, always running that 4 formation, bringing in guys, Carlos Gill, uh, Juan Casado, uh, Edgar Castillo, uh, losing uh, Kellen Rowe. Uh, you know, I think there's not a ton. It's like, it's, so they brought in like Panilla last year and Panilla was like really good. Actually, like all things considered, um, for the first few months, they started off the year being very good. Like for the first three or four months, they were like very good MLS team, um, kind of fell apart. Um, can they put this full, can they put together a full season? And I think that that is a very, very fair question. I think that Friedel obviously wants them to play like a very high tempo, very aggressive, kind of pressing style. Um, and that if that's not something that's just like so ingrained in you like that can wear out your team, that can just run your team into the ground. And I think that might be kind of what happened to them. Um, you know, last year, this time we were talking about Li Nguyen, um, and I don't think that in the end, Lin Nguyen would have made one uh, a tremendous difference one way or the other for them. Um, It just kind of was a team that sort of uh, rose and sank together. I don't think there were a lot of disconnects in that team or anybody that was really pulling up, you know, doing a bad job. Uh, I think they've got a great young goalkeeper, Matt Turner. Um, I know he was kind of uh, benched last year towards the end of the season. I hope that that he gets that spot back because I think that that's that's a player you absolutely want to develop. But And they picked up a really good left back in uh, Castillo. So there's... There's some stuff here. This is interesting. They're trying the forward. They're trying to roll the dice again on the fort situation. We're going to call skill um, Teal Bunbury was excellent uh, at times last year. Um, there's good. There's talent here. I guess this is kind of like the San Jose of the East for me. Like, I, I will go to my grave saying there's talent here. There's, there's a good team in here somewhere. Uh, it just needs the right coach to bring it out. It just needs the right tactic, the right system. I don't know that they have that right now. Yeah, I,
0: I think that they came out early and their success was to uh, their long-term misfortune. And the reason why I say that is uh, they kind of bamboozled teams, kind of coming out uh, with the idea that they're going to press teams. And I think teams were a little bit surprised at the press. And I, I think part of that's with the fact that Brad Friedel hadn't coached before. They didn't really know what to see, to expect. And I think they kind of got a little bit lucky in certain things. And that's not to say that they were a bad team early on there. They were a good team. They, We kind of knew that they weren't going to continue being as good as they were in certain parts. But we thought that they would continue to be uh, a team that fought for a playoff spot. And as the season went on, they went away from uh, what made them – good to begin the season with that press. And part of it was that that press kind of got exposed. And instead of you know, working to tighten that press and to, to get people up to speed with it, they just kind of went away from it altogether, which was strange. Um, it, it evolved into something else because they did, either the player personnels weren't right, or, you know, there's a lot of just a lot of different factors that just kind of fell apart. And yeah, this, this is a really talented team. And, you know, I put in the, the notes, this is a high floor team. They probably don't have, you know, a twenty-point, thirty-point season in them. However, are they really going to get to that fifty-point level? That 50 fifty, fifty-five that's needed for the playoffs. I don't know. It's it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair projection for them. It, they're they're a bottom half of the Eastern Conference team at this point. Um, you know, with a few good runs, a, a few good, you know, coin flips on certain situations and certain matches, they could they could rise above that level, but. Um, I, I think we know exactly where they are and where they're going to be, and I don't think that anyone's going kind of um, is thinking otherwise. But but they're certainly a team I think that can surprise. Um, and and like you said, they bamboozled a lot of teams last year, early in the season. I wouldn't be surprised to come out if they came out and did the same thing this year too. Uh, let's uh, oh, we talked about Montreal earlier. Let's go ahead and get them. Uh, Remegard is still the manager there. Uh, very beholden to that four three three. Uh, not a ton of big additions this year. Uh, Max Arruti is obviously probably the biggest one. Um, Novio is another one. Uh, they kind of cycled out. Mancusu, who was, you know, on towards the end of his career, I, I think that was expected. Uh, Jason Vargas was, uh, I think he's just loaned out. I don't think he's permanently gone, uh, but, but loaned back home. I think that he was a little bit disappointing last year. I know that he was a guy that you had your eye on. Uh, that just never really kind of did it. And, uh, of course, Silva also moving on. Um, Bottom line is this is a team, this is one of those teams that is... This is a Piotti team. And you just have to wonder, like, okay, how good is Piotti going to be this year? Piotti keeps getting older. Uh, He keeps still being very good. I know, I think, way more highly of him than you do. Uh, But I think he's one of these guys that, as as he goes, so, so is going to go Montreal. I don't see anybody in that lineup that's ready to kind of like assert him as like the the, the engine of the, of this team.
0: No, I think that's I, I think that's totally accurate. And it, okay, so how we both look at Piotti <laughs> is two different yeah. ways, right? Yes.
1: We have this discussion every year.
0: We we do, and we'll probably have it. We'll probably have it three more times over the course of yeah. the season. But uh, a lot of his goals come from pen, a lot of his. I shouldn't say a lot. He does have accrue goals through that penalty spot, and it does take talent to to execute those. He also gets secondary assists that Emelis has kind of gifted him. Um, and, and that's where my beef kind of starts and ends, right? Take that stuff out and cut all that out. He, he still beats players 1v1, right? He's still immensely talented. He's incredibly creative. He's going to find his opportunities and he's going to make the players around him better. Um, that being said, the questions with this team don't necessarily, um, for me, it's, you're absolutely right. They're going to be as good as he makes them, but they're also going to be um, as can he bring a Rudy up that is a huge question a Rudy just basically stopped wanting to play striker last year for Dallas he, he just wouldn't get forward he kept dropping deeper and deeper and that became problematic at times to where they moved him into a 10 just to kind of acquiesce to, to that um, to that desire and that where he wanted to play he he doesn't take he doesn't necessarily, he stopped getting into the, um, really the 18-yard box and, and finding good opportunities, and he's more inclined to shoot from far, which I'm kind of scared he's going to take away from opportunities uh, for Piotti at times. So how well he works with those uh, players, how well these new players coming in are going to integrate, because to be perfectly honest, um, I I honestly have no clue how uh Novillo is gonna gonna work out there on the right wing, and what type of player he's gonna be. Um, it, it's it's. You have uh, Tidier, who I know a lot of people really high on. Um, he was kind of interesting at times. Uh, this defense seems kind of. They're just they're weirdly not bad, but they're not good either. They kind of they they kind of rise and then they fall and it's like the tide. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low, and you just really don't. I don't really know what to expect with this Montreal team. Uh, I feel like they probably have another high floor. They're going to fight for you know one of the last few playoff spots, and they're going to be interesting at times, but not too interesting.
1: There are times where I feel like Montreal is so like, separate, like, a separate unit from the rest of the league. Like, I'm always just like, oh, yeah, Montreal. Montreal's over there. Like, I I don't ever know how to, like, kind of classify them because they're just sort of there. But I will say that this thing is that they're good at at, at adjusting midseason, like, if things start slow. And they have in the past for them. Um, They seem to, like, be good. Like, last year they started off very, very badly, like, frighteningly bad. Um, And they turned it around um you know and and they got better and i i I think i've we've seen them do that before and i think that's that's a really good um you know uh sort of characteristic to have as as, as a club uh that being said you know every year there are new players every year there's just these kind of guys from syria um or you know there's different things and and so yeah like you said the back line is a little weird you got diallo and camacho um, you know, I think Samuel Piet's still going to be a big part of this team. Um, it, it's all very like uh, they're a mid table team. They, they generally are a mid table team. We've seen them flirt with being higher, but I don't think that they're kind of at the best they've ever been. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a playoff team. I think that they always kind of find a way to get in there. Uh, and I think they'll do the same this year, would be my guess.
0: Yeah. The echo, yes.
1: <laughs> Philadelphia. Managed by Jim Curtin, beholden to the four two three one, brought in Marco Fabian, Sergio Saundas, um, and Aurelian Collin. Uh, major exits for them. Uh, unfortunately, uh, lost their uh, Doug Uh Keegan Rosenberry's in Colorado, and Cedric Sapong is on his way to Chicago. Um, obviously, Fabian is the biggest story there. Um, I think that's exciting. That'll be fun uh, you know, a versatile guy, just, just, a a creative guy. I, we'll do nothing but help. Uh, I, I'm excited to see how all that happens. Um, otherwise, you know, I think that they looked at CJ Sapong last year and kind of said like, okay, this is an area where we want to improve. And I know that me and you tend to think of CJ Sapong as, uh, much more, um, at his best, we kind of see him at his best and think like that's a great piece. Like I was excited to see him. Chicago might be a good spot for him there, uh, but I can also see why if you're Philadelphia, if you're a Philadelphia fan or in that, in that in that organization, why last year would have been just the last straw and enough to frustrate you into finally moving him and trying to make a change. So, um, it's uh, it's a team that like they're finally starting to get an identity. They're finally starting to get. Um, they're sticking with Curtin. I know that a lot of teams would have replaced him many, many times. And I, I myself had recommended that take do so, but I think they stuck with him. And I think that that loyalty is starting to pay off. I think they're starting to become a cohesive team with like a, an actual philosophy. Um, and so I, I think this is gonna be a, a good year for Philadelphia. I see them being successful this season.
0: When you don't replace a lot of your roster or a lot of your lineup in starting 11, it's going to be more cohesive right they have they they've stopped having to turn over you know six five players from this lineup and instead you know they're they're picking some key spots that being said they they talked about this high press and this um you know, this diamond formation and to be perfectly honest i don't think it really worked like there's no
1: i don't think that's going to last.
0: <laughs> Let's see. Well, well so, so you know me. I say a lot of things that are very good about Philadelphia, and there's a part of me that thinks that this team on paper can be a top three team if they mm-hmm. played by last year's tactics. Yes. They played by last year's tactics. This team is a top three Eastern Conference team. I think that they challenge uh, NYC for that, DC for that. I think they, they, they are just that good of a team and I think Marco Fabian will absolutely take them to that next level and and if they have someone um doing creating the same opportunities as CJ Sapong was I I think they're going to get a few more goals than last year and that's not to say that CJ Sapong was was bad or I, I honestly think he was just absolutely snake bitten. and I think at a certain point in time it gets in your head and there's a lot to be said about that Uh, But that is a different conversation in and of itself. I think that this team on paper is really talented, but the tactics and what they've talked about early on in the preseason worry me. And I think it really lowers their ceiling.
1: Yeah. Uh, Like you said, it's odd that they're kind of trying to fix what maybe wasn't really all that broken last year. Um, But, but again, I, I I see maybe a coach maybe overreaching a little bit, trying something new. Um, I think that if that doesn't go well, they'll, they'll not be, i um, scared to just go back to the way things were, and that might ultimately be what's best for them in the long run. So, uh, Moving on to the Columbus crew who have been saved. Yay. Then they hired Caleb Porter. Okay. Uh, cool. Not really a lot going on in Columbus this year, additions-wise. Uh, Joe Bendit coming in. Uh, Robinho Barbosa coming in. Uh, no real major exits except for Zach Steffen will be leaving midseason to join Manchester City. I don't. I don't know how that happened, but that's what's happening. Um, I
0: uh, economics. That that, it's an economics thing. It's an economics thing.
1: We we don't have to. We don't have to focus on that. This is not an economics podcast, although we probably know enough people that could make a good one of those. Maybe we we should.
0: We dabble. We dabble. We dabble. We
1: dabble. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. this is a team that has been so defined as being a Greg Berhalter team being a system team being a team that um, you know creates chances cycles chances gets good you know a guy like Zardes or it's been a Kamara or it's been um, Kai Kamara in the past that you know just creates a lot of good chances for players that are good at getting their nose in front of the ball um, you know in good positions in the box and they've lived and died by that but Caleb Porter is also a system guy, and his system and Greg Berhalter systems are not similar systems. So it's it's an interesting direction to go here. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Caleb Porter. Um, I think that he has succeeded in the past with very, very excellent players and and very good pickups from that Portland front office. But I've also seen him take that same roster and fail uh, about the same amount of times. So I don't know what Columbus is gonna get here. I know that Caleb Porter is a very Ohio is his thing like I think this is the this is the job that brought him back to soccer. I think he, this is the job he wanted. Um, I think that it's going to be a bit of a transition, and I don't know that this year is going to be the best as a result of that
0: yeah i so i I think he's actually going to be really similar to Greg Burhalter I think his I think his system is going to undergo some adaptations to what we saw in Portland and I think it's going to be much more in line with what we've seen over the last couple of years. However, there will be some, some twists. There will be some, some wrenches, you know, uh, taken out of the box and some, some parts kind of mo- rearranged and move around. I, I think absolutely. They're going to play a little bit of, uh, a little bit of possession. They're going to use, uh, three center backs from time to time. They're going to use, uh, Harrison awful of getting forward. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting at times. However, I think that they lack quality on that wing. Uh, Justin Miram could be good. Uh, I'd really like to see him just have a really good season. I don't know that that's what he has in him after coming back from Orlando. I, you know, it, it seems like Orlando kind of broke uh, that Justin Miram that we all knew, and, and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully that this year he gets back. Also, they're going to be out without uh, Milton Valenzuela, so um, that's, that's <laughs> going to be a little bit tough for this defense. You know, there's, there's, there's a little bit of a, um, a depth issue there, so that'll be kind of interesting to see how they deal with. But this spine, uh, the spine that they have right now that Caleb that Porter's inheriting uh, is, is very strong, and they're going to be able to defend. They're going to be able to score some goals, and that gives them, you know, a, a decent chance to being a pretty decent team, if nothing else
1: yeah uh you know, we've written down here and i, I think it's true really like good solid spine here good good defense good young defenders um will trap obviously still a very very good player um is you know as long as you don't toy with Zardes too much from what he did last year you know he's gonna get you a lot of goals and uh that's that's important i just don't know that <laughs> i trust them to not toy with it too much so we'll see we'll see the crew have been saved that's the most important thing uh, certainly, this is a new era for the team, and uh, I'm very curious to see how it all plays out. We're going to go uh, a little bit to the East here and see DC United next. Ben Olsen is back, that 4-2-3-1. Boy, the Eastern Conference teams love that 4-2-3-1. Um, oh, Major League Soccer teams love the 4231 let us be honest. Um, key additions coming in, Chris Seitz, Lucas Rodriguez, Leonardo Hara. Uh, key exits Emil Assad, Ian Harks and David Usted, not Luciano Acosta. Uh, that situation will be. Um, that was one of the the most exciting uh, days of the offseason, season uh, trying to see if he would get his transfer to PSG. Um, certainly disappointing for him but but, but he's back and, and, and on a good team here. now uh, last year was Cinderella stuff. it was very tall stuff. it was great. New stadium, Wayne Rooney, everyone kind of with their eyebrows raised and they just take a run of home games and just entertain everybody and win a lot of games and, you know, it was just, it was great. Uh, This year it's back to reality. There's no more of this uh, early season road trip, late season homestand. They're going to play a normal schedule. Um, You know, a lot of the shine uh, will have worn off of Wayne Rooney a bit uh you know he's got to come out and do it for another year i think he was great last year and will probably be very good this year um and you know you just got to see where luciano Costa's heads at like is he going to play for that move again or is that going to be kind of something that that's is a mental setback for him hard to say i think he's he's a very good player um but you know i think that he's was rated very highly on you know a few games last year i think that there were like big parts of last season where he wasn't as as excellent as, as, as he was then so it's going to be interesting um <clears throat> Interesting year, uh, as we say for every team this year, uh, for DC United. Uh, I, I think this is a good team. I think this is an upper half uh, team. I think this is probably a playoff team. Uh, but I, I definitely am uh, interested to see how they play in reality.
0: Well, we say probably because their depth, right? Their depth is definitely a question. They've improved it uh, from what it was last year. This defense looks improved uh, just Adding Mora is is huge. Adding uh, Yara is, is going to definitely uh, be a, a step. Uh, Mora came over what mid season last year, um, and he battled health problems. This year, hopefully, he's healthy. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a better situation for that back line. Bill Hamid is there for the full season. They're going to be improved. However, you know, comma, there are some depth along that back line. I, what happens if? mom gets another concussion, uh, which has been a problem. Um, what happens if Jarrah uh, has has pulls a hamstring or something? You know, they have O'Neill Fisher, who's decent, but, um, you know, th- th- there's just that quality drop-off again, and that can have an effect on this team. They played a lot of home games last year in that second half of the season, and I think it's really easy to be deceived by how good they were at home. And that's not to say that they were a bad team. I don't think that in any right. They they, they were very overwhelmingly good at times. But when you play week after week after week at home, it, it, it's different than having road games and cycling and travel. Um, I, I think that this team is probably not as good as what people have in their mind's eye in the sense of them taking on atlanta for that throne um i think that they're probably a top five team i don't think that they're quite in the tier as red bulls or atlanta right now um i think that's why i think nyc philadelphia dc these teams are all going to kind of fight each other for that third spot
1: yes um, all right, moving on to uh, a little further north, New York City Football Club. Uh, Manager Dominic 4231 4231433. Uh, a couple key additions this year. Uh, M- Matrida uh, is a new designated player who looks good in preseason. Keaton Parks, of course, on loan from Portugal. Um, but the key exits is kind of what's going to be the big talking points here. David Villa and Yang Hel Herrera, arguably two of the teams. Well, I don't even think it's arguably. I think it's factually uh, two of the teams, three most important players over the last few years, um, are gone. Um, and especially looking at what this team looks like without David Villa, especially when they haven't really signed a like-for-like replacement. Um, I know there isn't a like-for-like David Villa out there, but a, a, a natural striker, I guess is what I'd say.
0: They, they could sign Bobby Villa
1: they <laughs> could do that or carl via uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i yeah absolutely there there's not a like for like for david via and while you could go out there and you can try to sign the next uh aging striker i think they they, they scaled a little bit more on the on the side that might get them a uh, transfer fee at the end of the day um they they roll the dice a little bit but when you have the backing of city football group you can kind of do that right so um how do they replace those two really good players the really like you said two of the three best players yeah that's a that's a really great question for dominic torrent and i think that's really where why we're kind of up in the air is how that will all work because so it's a little bit hard to envision at this stage that being said they have such a quality team they have a they have two other quality uh midfielders and alex ring and maxi morales and maxi mm-hmm. morales mm-hmm. is i think at this stage underrated in this league i think he was just such a dynamic game-changing player at times last year I think they're, they're yeah. top half eastern conference as well
1: yeah yeah i mean they're they have yet to make that step into like the uh the very upper echelons. They flirted with it over the last couple of years. I think that it's going to be a little different under, hopefully, uh, you know, I think the organization had a lot of confidence in Torrent, and even though it kind of seemed to take a little bit of a nosedive last year, there were some signs um, that that showed that that underlying numbers that, like, maybe they just went through a a bad period of luck.
0: Ian, Ian, are you team, come down, don't don't be wishy-washy. Are you team dummy run or are you team Doyle on this?
1: I'm not answering that question. I'll never answer that question. Don't make me choose. Don't make <laughs> me choose. Um, the,
0: the best unknown feud in MLS go, go going on right now.
1: Well, it's known now. So, um, all right. Uh, here we go. This was fun. Atlanta. You know Atlanta. You've heard of this team before, right?
0: Are Are they that Let's team that lost uh, down in Co- Costa Rica?
1: team fighting for their very CCLIs at Kennesaw State Community College this evening while we record this uh, due to a monster truck rally in their home stadium. There's some poetic justice there, I'm sure. Uh, Tito Martina is gone. or Tata, wow, Tito, what am I saying? Tata Martina is gone. Frank DeBoer is in. Um, we've only seen one competitive game. we got we got a preview of them in CCL, and it was it was Pretty pretty dire, uh, but this is Atlanta. You know they're gonna they're gonna be fine. Um, key additions: Pity Martinez, uh, Florence and Pogba. Key exits: Obviously Miguel Almiron uh, is gone, playing well in Newcastle. So turns out he was always good, which we kind of knew. Uh, Chris McCann as well is also gone. Um, not as major of a departure. I just wanted to put another name on there. Uh, Chris uh,
0: McCann, game changer.
1: Game changer. Uh, it, this is going to be about what happens with the saga of Pity Martinez and Miguel Miron. Um, you know, I think we would have said that Atlanta weren't a one-man team by any stretch of the imagination over the last couple of years. But it was extremely clear who was running the show and uh, who was the lifeblood of that team. And he is now gone. And so uh, what? who are you now? Um, you bring in a guy to take over from Martina. Um, for a team that has been at times called, you know, the most exciting and wonderful and beautiful and incredible thing to ever happen to the league. Um, he comes in and he starts changing things, which is a bold move, but you obviously got to put your stamp on things. Um, do you survive this new, this new, this new evolutionary form? Like, do you, is this a transition that you can make smoothly um, or do you have a little bit of a rush patch as, 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 as this kind of thing happens? It's a, it's, it's, I assume they're going to be great. That's just what happens. So. I'm not concerned about them at all. I think they'll probably, uh, they're favorites to win everything again this year, Um, and for good reason.
0: Uh, I don't think they're favorites. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll I'll disagree. Uh,
1: Do you not think that they're favorites? I think that if you took a poll of everybody and asked who was going to win all the trophies this year, most of them would say Atlanta.
0: Sure, if everybody's in Atlanta, but I mean, if they're not just wearing like you know five stripe colored glasses, I think seven stripes now. Oh, seven stripes. Dang it. I'm so behind. Um, No. So listen, they're a really good team. They've got excellent depth. This is a team that, you know, with Joseph Martinez on it is always going to have a chance. That dude just outruns and out hustles. That dude just, he just seems. Yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else. He just, he seems very good at what he does. And he's shown that time and time again by scoring the goals that he has. That being said, PT Martinez, dude, you nailed it. And you actually, you absolutely stole what I wanted to talk about. And that was the uh, Miguel Almiron versus uh, PT Martinez. Uh, really, um, a, a saga is what you described it. I think that's excellent. Uh, the question that I have, and I'll move this more towards the back line, is how well does this team kind of transition between Miles Robinson and Jeff Lorenowitz? And Michael Parkhurst, you have you know two pieces that you're going to have to start replacing, and that's not to say that Larenz is bad or Parkhurst is bad. They're just they're they're both in their you know mid thirties. you're going to have to start making some decisions about the long term health of your of your team. And I I don't think that that's necessarily going to come back and bite you just yet. But both of them kind of had moments uh, in that CCL game. Maybe it's a little bit of rust. It's early on in the season and that's all it is but putting so much of your starting lineup in and investing in those two pieces um, it, it, not bad just kind of maybe side eyeing you know how much ceiling you're losing yourself by doing that uh, i think that this is a number two team behind new york but i think that they're two they're in a tier pretty much all their own uh for the Eastern conference. I don't think there's anybody that's going to come up and catch uh, either of those two teams. And I think it's going to co- basically come down to um, Atlanta and New York. And honestly, I think New York just has, um, has more depth.
1: Well, brilliant really opportunity for a segue here because guess which team we're going to talk about next. Uh so New, New York City Football Club. Oh, yeah. They won the support I, show last year. They lost in the playoffs again. Dang it, New York Red Bulls, stop losing in the playoffs so much. Um Jesse Marsh left last year. That would have been a big blow to most teams. That would have just been the end of it. Uh instead, he brings in his guy, Chris Armas, and they look almost even better um for the second part of the season. They were very, very strong in the regular season going forward. Um, you know, still in that four two three one. Not a lot of motion here. Uh one kind of big addition, Matthias Jorgensen, uh, who is the heir apparent to Bradley Wright-Phillips. Should Bradley Wright-Phillips ever require an heir? He may not. We don't know. At least we know he's proof he's of it. basically
0: Highlander. He, he's immoral.
1: He's Highlander, yeah. So, um, you know, definitely a couple... Big exit. Tyler Adams, obviously, is now uh, doing great in the Bundesliga, and that's very exciting, and, and uh, a feather in the cap of Major League Soccer in the New York Red Bulls organization, so that, that's excellent. Uh, they also lost Fidel Escobar, but this is more or less a team that has always taken situations like this where you thought, oh, how are they going to recover from losing player X? And the answer has always been like, oh, this dude that's been playing for Red Bulls too. He's great. Did you not know? And we're like, oh, okay, cool. And I think that's probably what we're going to see again this year is just, uh, another one of those guys take a step up. Maybe this is the year Sean Davis really kind of blossoms, um, you know, into that role. Uh, you know, guys like, uh, Florian Valo. like they just—they have these guys on the fringes of the team that can compete, that can like provide sparks off the bench. They can—they're uh, just always exciting. There's always something cooking like under underneath. Uh, they're the great lab of Major League Soccer. I think where just brilliant things are invented and made, and uh, they're certainly uh, one of my favorite teams. And I think they're going to be very very good again this year. And I whether or not it's going to be between them and Atlanta to see like who's going to be top dog in the East and probably in the supporter shield race. Um, and that will be our, 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 the big question to kind of watch and uh, they, they nipped them to the post last year. And I think that, um, you know, given everything we know about these transitions, they might have just enough to do it again.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they, they definitely have a chance to, well, very obviously they have a chance to win all the trophies uh, that are available to a North American club. And I think that they have the depth to pull it off if they really, um, if they get lucky enough. And that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to luck uh, to a certain extent. Uh, MLS Cup is about luck. U.S. Open Cup is about luck. And, uh, you know, honestly, uh, CCL is kind of about luck, too. So um, you, you can be a good team, and that's going to get you a long way there, but you, you got to win some some coin flips. And, uh, you know, the Red Bulls traditionally haven't been a team that has won a lot of coin flips, but uh, they've definitely they've done a great job about kind of stacking the deck and give themselves plenty of coins to, to, to flip in doing so. Um, yeah, Wright Phillips, Royer. Kaku, they're, they're going to be a great attacking team. That midfield, it, it's a little bit questionable how that's going to shake out. Sean Davis, obviously, he's going to be there. Krzyzewski and then uh, Caseras and Kofi are all kind of kind of vie to start alongside him. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Alex Mule. He's he's not flashy, um, but much like Daniel Royal, he's just high energy. And he wins a lot of opportunities and, and turns it around. Um, and presents opportunities for Bradley Wright Phillips and to to score, and so I I really like that. That defense is fantastic. They just have so much depth. They have so much depth. I I, I feel like uh, aside from maybe Sporting Kansas City, they have the most depth. They they probably they have. Let me say this correctly. I think New York Red Bulls depth is of a higher quality, I think Kansas City just has more of it, uh, if that makes yeah. sense. I think Kansas City yeah, no, could, could field a starting a second starting 11. I think New York Red Bulls uh, could probably be redundant in what pieces they, they choose to start on every week uh, at most positions, but not all of them. Um, so higher quality. Anyways, I think New York Red Bulls uh, are the favorite right now for the Shield and for the Eastern Conference. Um, but again, it'll come down to just having things go right for them sometimes.
1: Yeah. As it does for each and every major league soccer team. That is your Eastern conference preview. We've done it. We are ready to walk right back into the regular season, give up Ding. our personal lives, start working on our respective weekly writing things. This show, and it's all very exciting. And you know, the promise of a brand new season, anything could happen. looks like Atlanta's already tied up that game on aggregate, by the way. So there, there you go. They're fine. Um Yeah, that's it. We're done. Uh we'll be back next week, uh, presumably. Um I want to thank you all so much for listening. I want to thank my friend and my colleague, Harrison Crow. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore crow. You can find me on Twitter at, at a handle for Ian. Um be sure to follow the American Soccer Analysis account. It's at analysis evolved and visit our website, ww. dot american soccer analysis dot com. Um,
0: and thank you all to the Casey are there. Casey, our producer, we, we, we can't, we can't forget Casey.
1: Yes. Thank you, Casey. And, uh, all of a, uh, yes, the website Americansocceranalysis.com, uh, all the season previews, longer versions of what we just talked about, basically just more fleshed out, um, you know, in written form there. So you can do it, uh, while you're supposed to be doing desk work at your job. I recommend that highly. So please, please feel free to check that out. Uh, Thank you. Uh, uh, Can't thank you enough for listening. Uh, We'll see you next week. And until then, enjoy the first week of Major League Soccer.
2: Cold blooded old times. Cold blooded old times. Cold blooded old times. The type of memories That turn your bones to glass Turn your bones to glass Mother came rushing in She said we didn't see a thing We said we didn't see a thing And father left at eight Nearly splintering the gate Cold-blooded old times Cold-blooded old times Cold-blooded old times times. Cold-blooded old times The type of memories That turn your bones to glass Turn your bones to glass Though you were Just a little squirrel You understood Every word And in this way They gave you clarity A cold-blooded clarity Cold-blooded old time. Cold blood at all times Cold blood at all times How can I stand And laugh with the man Who redefined your body How can I stand and laugh with the man who redefined your body? And those cold-blooded old times, cold-blooded old times, cold-blooded old times.